Welcome to the New Hampshire Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. I know, my voice sounds terrible. I've had this crud that's going around that people have been fighting off. A friend of mine who hosts a podcast said on his that uh, he was completely recovered. His throat just hadn't figured it out yet. And that's where I am. Feel fine, but I sound terrible. So I'm not going to inflict myself on you other than just another quick thumbs up to Dr. Bruce Houghton at Perfect Smiles of Nashua. Please, great dentist, support him and you support the podcast and New Hampshire Journal. Instead, we're going to go to a conversation I recorded with first congressional district candidate Holly Novoletsky right before the holidays. But looking for a chance to post it. And since I can't talk, it's the perfect time. And it's a great conversation and it fits into some other issues that are going on in the campaign trail right now. For example, green policy and balancing the Biden administration's desire to spend a ton of money on green stuff like EV chargers with throwing money at union members. Other stuff in there as well. Enjoy the podcast. My apologies for my throat. We will be on top of the First Nation primary between now and the 23rd. I guarantee it. Here is Holly Novoletsky, Republican candidate in the 1st Congressional District. So please welcome to the New Hampshire Journal podcast, Holly Novoletsky, candidate for Congress in the first CD. Holly, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And the first time that I spoke to you, you were at an event talking about the PRO Act. And I think it's interesting. I think that your uh, the way you became a Granite Stater and your role in the world of business, I, I find very illuminating about your approach to uh, politics and public policy. Why don't you tell everybody about what brought you and your business to New Hampshire? Well, my company, Novel Ironworks, uh, was started by my dad in 1956 in Massachusetts. And uh, we're a structural steel fabrication company. We do business throughout New England. And in Massachusetts, we actually were a union shop. And as a child, I remember my father every year saying the unions are shutting him down. He'd be out in the middle of the night driving truck. And they he finally told him. You shut me down one more time and I'm moving to New Hampshire. And they shut him down and he bought land up here. And we moved up here in 1975 in Greenland, mm -hmm. where we are now. And he continued to bus up all his employees who wanted to continue to work until they retired. Wow. And we're open shop ever since and proud merit shop um, employees. So uh, good story for New Hampshire. Well, it is a good story for New Hampshire, and I tell people all the time because uh, I used to live in Massachusetts, and I and uh, this bizarre company, you know, situation I have with Inside Source New Hampshire Journal, I could do it from anywhere. And uh, so instead of living in D.C., which was the original plan, instead of staying in Massachusetts, I came to New Hampshire, and as I tell everyone, I gave myself a five percent pay raise just yes. by moving half an hour. So that's good. And the question is, as you talk to people about your decision to run in the first district primary. Do you think Republican primary voters are still focused on issues like the economy and jobs and regulation or have these other, you know, cultural issues and political fight issues? And, you know, do you love Trump issues? Have they kind of taken over? What are you hearing from the voters themselves? As I go around the district and I talk to people, number one is the economy. Okay. Uh, absolutely. The economy, energy prices, food prices, housing. I mean, all these issues are really significantly impacting quality of life and people's ability to feel even secure in their own home uh, because they just worry about the cost of living. Um, so economy is number one. I'd say number two is the border crisis. Mm -hmm. They want to see the border closed. Uh, they're concerned about crime. They're concerned about uh, 
the drug issues, mm -hmm. when you look at Manchester, um, having the highest overdose rate in five years, uh, people are concerned about number one, the economy, and number two, the border. So what is it about your background, Holly Nobletsky, that you think can help uh, you have the tools to address economic concerns and border securities as a member of Congress? I have a wide variety of uh, experience uh, as a business owner, in a woman in the structural steel uh, industry. I know how to negotiate. Um, I know how to uh, create jobs. We work very closely with the CTEs and the uh, DOD, uh, providing training. Uh, we've weathered. Okay, really okay. Tough you've already you've already fallen into con Congress speak. You've used initials that sorry. I'm not sure sorry, that sorry. I recognize. So mm -hmm. CTE, the CTEs. Those are the high schools. The training, the career ah. technical education. Uh, the Got alternative it. where the kids go to learn welding. So we work really closely with the, those programs to provide. Uh, training and uh, supplies, some scholarship money. The group of us in New Hampshire is steel fabricators that we provide scholarships for. Uh, and then we we hire them. We love these kids. And the DOD is the Department of Defense. The Department of Defense has a wonderful program where they help uh, separating service people who are within six months of separating, find careers in the civilian world to help them with their transition. And we have one in welding and coming up next month, it'll be two years old and we've put through about 10 people and we have another five on the wait list. Um, so job opportunity, career training. Um, and then during the economic downturn of 2008, nine, 10, we didn't lay off people. We tightened our belt. We cut discretionary right. spending. Um, and we kept everybody working so that they could keep the lights on at home. So I think that business background is really important. My other background, I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner. And I think that ability to meet people where they are and to help foster communication is really important. My dad always used to say in business, you no longer need an MBA, but you need a psych degree because it's all <laughs> about managing the personalities. Right. And then, lastly, I'm a veteran, um, so I think I understand. I, I think I understand that actions speak louder than words, and you need to get things done. You can't just grandstand. So, uh, let me ask you about that service. What did? How did you become part of the military, and how did you serve? My dad was in World War II. He was uh, in Merrill's Marauders, which I'm sure you know. Cool. Because um, General Merrill, when he came out of the war, he became the D right. head of the DOT for New Hampshire. So my father was in Merrill's Marauders. And for those of you who don't know who they were, they were um, an all-volunteer group that were, went in behind enemy lines to disrupt the Japanese uh, supply lines. Uh, behind. They went into China, India, and Burma. Uh, and they had a very large expected casualty rate. About 3,000 went in, or 200 came home. My dad came home, but he always said that was the best time wow. of his life. And I think it's because it was either that or when he raised two daughters by himself. So uh, I think that was probably easy. Yikes. Yeah. But he always <laughs> I would much rather face combat than that. Who wouldn't, right? <laughs> so uh, um, my dad always talked about how wonderful it was. So when I finished nursing school, I went into the reserves. I did eight years in the Army Nurse Corps reserves. And then when I moved to New Hampshire, I switched over to the New Hampshire National Guard for two years. So I did 10 uh, total. 
And what what would you say the lesson that you can apply to government to being a member of Congress would be that you took away from that service? That nothing is built in one day. It takes uh, a lot of negotiation and that people come from all different backgrounds and right. uh, experiences. And when you are trying to negotiate, you have to understand that everyone has a different opinion and different experience and you have to develop common understanding before you can move forward. So uh, I have a confession to make, Holly Noveleski. I've had conversations about you in the past because people have talked about who should run for Congress in different cycles in the past. And your name came up. And what I was told was, why in the world would she want to do it? She's got this great business. She's very respected. You know, she's just she, she's a key part of the community already. Why would she want to go through the misery of running for Congress in the current political climate? And uh, and yet here you are. So what happened? Did, uh, That's did you a make a terrible dollar mistake? question? <laughs> did you suffer? Did you suffer a head injury? Did you lose a bet? Are you paying uh, off some bookies in Vegas? What are you doing running for Congress, Holly Noveletsky? Well, you know. If it was easy, everyone would do what my father said. My father was my hero, as you can't tell. But we're in a crisis, and that's when you really need to step up. I mean, if everything was running smoothly, well, I'd stay here and right. live my life very comfortably. But we're in a crisis, and that's when you really need to step forward. I got tired of being angry about what's happening to our country, what's happening in D.C. We have completely destabilized the world with our weak um, leadership and I decided that either I have to stop complaining about everything that's going on and accept it or step up and, and fight. And uh, I decided to step up and fight because I love this country. I think we have a tremendous country. And if I had to be born in any country in the world, this is where I'd want to be. So when but you talk about America, when you talk about America's weakness, destabilizing the world, could you give me some specific examples of what you're worried about? Sure. Um, like our awful withdrawal from Afghanistan. That showed the world that we were not as strong a player on the world stage. And then you see what happened in Ukraine and right. what's happening in Israel and the testing of us with Taiwan. Um, all of this is showing the world that we're not stepping up. I mean, how many times have our bases been attacked now um, by Syria and right. Iran? And we haven't really responded. It shows the world that we're weak and we haven't really been there for our allies. Um, and that has kept, that has allowed the bullies in the world to step up and destabilize the world. So if you were in Congress today, would you be interested in a deal that uh, sent uh, more USAID to Ukraine, more USAID to Israel, and in exchange, Republicans get some fundamental changes to the, uh, you know, the current immigration law that make it so easy for people to game the amnesty system. That's the deal they supposedly are working on as you and I record this. Is that something you'd be uh, interested in looking at? I'd be absolutely interested in shutting the border. We got to shut okay. that border down immediately. We have to stop incentivizing people to come here. We do need workers. I think we need to look at our legal immigration right. and um, make it easier for people who want to come here and be part of our system, but do it through the legal system. Um, as far as Ukraine, I do believe that we need to, when somebody's in crisis, you don't offer them support and then hold back. Right. Uh, we need to give them, but not a, not a, um, a blank check. 
The money that we send to Ukraine is not the government's money. It's our money. It's our tax dollars. And they need right. to be accountable for it. And there needs to be some sort of uh, checks and balances. We give them supplies that they need to fight the war, but we don't give them um, unlimited money to $70 right. billion just for their their farmers and their small businesses. We have small businesses and farmers here who could use that money. And Israel, we still haven't funded them. And they're right. going into third month now mm -hmm. yeah so did that answer your question <laughs> that answered my question great it was terrific let me ask you one more question and it's about a question for you to ask if you're the nominee of the republican party in the first cd you will almost certainly be facing off with uh incumbent congressman chris pappas my first question for you is what do you think of the job uh congressman pappas has done thus far and my second question is if you were on a debate stage with him What's the question you would want to have him answer for the voters of New Hampshire? So I think far? he has put party line above New Hampshire's interests. Okay. I think he votes strictly with what um, the Democratic Party wants. For instance, with the inflation reduction bill, um, that was all that money for infrastructure uh, went to PLA's project labor agreements. Not meaning to be a government team. Okay, I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to interrupt your answer, which is so good because you bring up an issue that I just wish people would talk about more, which is having labor agreements on government projects that mandate wages that are higher than the market would necessarily require. Now, look, everyone likes people to make money. We all like money, right? That's great. Right. But when you decide that you're going to pay 120 percent for labor instead of 100 percent, that means that the number of whatever solar panels, windmills that you say are going to save the world. You can only, instead of building 10, you can only build eight because you artificially inflated the price of labor as part of a political deal, not an economic deal, and certainly not a climate change deal. And it drives me crazy, Holly Noveleski, that people who advocate these, de advocate these deals are literally undermining their own proposal. They say we have to build this, whatever the green tech is, to save the world, but then they intentionally overpay for it to buy votes and never get called out on it. Drives me crazy. And that money usually is public money. Exactly. So those are your tax dollars paying that. And once again, it's not like people are being asked to work for you know, 335 an hour or something. These are people who are already making good wages and they could make the good wages and build the offshore, you know, windmill or whatever it is and build more of them. But anyway, I'm sorry. I interrupted. You mentioned PLAs. You hit a sore spot with me. Please go back. Uh, what would be your question for Chris Pappas when you're debating him on WMUR as the nominee of the Republicans in the first CD? I, I specifically that one that I was talking about is the, uh, all that infrastructure money goes to right. unions and PLAs, and we're a merit shop state, mm -hmm. so our workers are not going to get that those contracts. So how does he justify supporting uh. our tax dollars in New Hampshire going out of state? On on these federal government uh, contracts, when our workers aren't going to be eligible for them, that's not supporting New Hampshire. He's there to represent New Hampshire, right. not to vote party line. And how does he justify that? You know, that is a great question. And I cannot recall the issue of PLAs coming up in a conversation about Congress before. So you have made my day, Holly Noveletsky. How can people <laughs> or who are interested in your candidacy, how can they find you? They can find me at Holly, H-O-L-L-I-E, for F-O-R, New Hampshire, spelled out, dot com. And we'll and also have, have that. 
we'll also have that in the show notes at the bottom of the uh, of the podcast when this posts as well. We'll put that link. Thanks so much, Holly Novleski, for joining us here on the New Hampshire Journal podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast. Please find us on Twitter, New Hamp Journal, on Facebook, NH Journal, and of course at nhjournal.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletter. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.